what I want to talk about tonight um, is, and I've been talking about this a lot lately, uh, mostly because my dad is talking about it, and it must be like the Holy Spirit. He like forces me to just lock on to what he's saying, or it's just that it's so good. It's actually, it's so good. That's what it is. It's so good that I want to preach it. Um, but I want to continue to talk about this concept of courage tonight, because the more that I really dig into it and continue to uh, uh, understand what God is desiring to say to us, the more that I realize, uh, can I say it like this, how, at, at, at what a low level I'm living at, okay? Like, and, and, and not that I'm saying that my life isn't good or that I don't experience God in my life every day, but as I read the scripture through, through a, this, this courage mindset and allowing it to cause me to challenge even the things that I believe in myself, what I'm realizing is the, the limitless potential and possibilities that the word of God every day creates in my life. And that any moment that I live according to this world's ways or this world's standard is a moment where I'm giving into the limited views of this world. That I was meant to, I mean, like, let's go, if we go back to the Adam days, we were meant to rule, take dominion, subdue the earth in every area. Jesus went on to say that if we would so much as speak to a mountain, that it doesn't have a choice but to move right? That kind of power, the, the design of it is that it would continue to affect every area of our life. But as I've been going uh, at the scriptures through this understanding of courage, one of the main things that I find is that it's not that we don't know the scripture, okay? Because it would, I would be very hard-pressed to find even a scripture in the Bible that 90% of you haven't also read in the last 18 months, or heard, or heard somebody else teach on it, okay? And, but what I've realized is, is that there's a difference between knowing the scripture and having this dogged determination to do whatever it takes until I see that thing manifested in my life. There's a big difference. And I think that for most people, now not all people, but most people, what I think is the reason why they don't experience them is because in the midst of walking towards them, they come into a little bit of adversity. They step into and encounter a little bit of a challenge, and the challenge causes them to shrink back rather than have the courage to continue to push through that challenge into the place of our promise. If there's one thing that I have discovered, even in the natural, right, through the schooling that I've gone through, through working out in my marriage, I realize that there's nothing that's good in life that comes for free. Is that true? And sometimes we want it like I love, you could ask my family, when I was young, I was obsessed with free stuff. Like literally I subscribed to websites where they would just send you junk, but it was free. And so I'm thinking, yes, sign me up for that. Okay, I want it. And sometimes what can happen in our culture is we gravitate to wanting things to be easy. We want them to be free. We want it to be, but I'm telling you, yes, you can go that route in Christianity. You can walk the easy road. You can do it easily, but I'm here to tell you something tonight that anything that you desire that's good in your life is worth fighting for. Anything that God is desiring to do in your life is worth fighting for. 
And there is a courage that must arise on the inside of us where we decide, I actually want to go down the more challenging roads. Right, and and this is even we talk about this, and maybe like in working out terms, it's kind of the easiest way for us to see this is, is if you go to the gym and you try to get in shape by not experiencing any resistance, right? You're you're gonna be going for a long time before you really notice anything at all. In order to experience growth in our life, in order to get to specific goals or to attain certain things in our life, we have to be okay with the fact that it's going to require courage on the inside of us to step out and willfully, willingly, uh, having a desire to embrace that challenge so that I can experience the growth. And, 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 And the more that I read the scripture through this frame of mind, the more that I'm realizing how extensive the word can be in my life. That it's not just gonna take care of some areas, It's not just going to do some things, but there is enough power in the word of God to change every single situation in your life, okay? Like, uh, for example, this is just popping in my head, thinking about myself not wanting to go bald. Did you know there's a scripture that the Bible says that God counts every one of the hairs on my head? God even cares about the fact that I don't want to go bald, okay? Now, this is a silly example, but the reality is, is that the word desires, heaven desires, Jesus desires that he would be able to positively affect every area of your life. Now, the cross has done it. Our courage is that thing where we have to meet Jesus in this moment and accept what he's already done in our lives. And so what I want to talk about this morning is this scripture where we use, there's this word in the message translation that says, take courage. Everybody say, take courage. Now, I remember this moment in my life when I had to take courage. Um, I was probably about 13 or 14 years old, and I was at my friend's house, and his sister ended up having a soccer game at just one of these schools. And, you know, we were kind of bored at this point. And even though it was only an hour, you know, when you're young, it feels, hour feels like forever. Now that I'm 32, an hour feels like a minute, like literally a moment. You're like, oh my gosh, how did that hour go by? But when I'm at the soccer game, uh, you know, the the hour is taking forever. And so we come up with this brilliant idea that we're going to go and climb our way up onto the top of this roof that was there. It was at a school and it was probably like a 25 foot roof that you had uh, at the soccer field. And you know, being a boy, I feel like you have the dumbest ideas. And I, mean, I think that that's just the truth across the board. Like boys do some of the dumbest things, but in the moment, somehow our brains say, this is a good idea. And then you're in the middle of it and you're like, oh dear God, this is a horrible idea, but you don't learn for the next time, right? I mean, you just keep doing dumb stuff. And so this was one of my dumb moments as I was growing up. I, I, you know, I get up on the top of the roof and it's cool, right? If you have any boys here remember the first time you were on top of a roof, maybe girls too, if you're daring. I remember this was one of the first times I had been on a roof and it literally felt like I could see the world right? Like I'm like Leo on the front of the Titanic, right? Like I'm thinking this is, I'm having this amazing moment up here where I feel like I can literally see Toronto from here, but I was in Port Colborne. Now it was an amazing time until, you know, the whistle blows and now I have to get off the roof. 
one of the things, if you've never climbed up a roof or climbed up a tree, you'll know it's very easy to climb up to the top. Climbing down is a totally different story. Because when you're climbing up, you're like, oh, this isn't really that high, you know? And then you get to the top and you have to climb down and you look down and you realize, holy moly, I'm like a mile up in the sky. And if I fall off of here, I'm surely going to die, even though probably it was only like 10 or 15 feet. And so I'm, I'm doing this and I'm up there and, you know, my friend who was, you know, he, he had brothers. I blame it on the fact that I only had sisters. And so he was tough, you know? He would jump off and break his leg and walk home. Like it was no big deal to him because he had brothers. But for me, you know, I had sisters, you know, I was wearing skinny jeans and I'm doing the thing, right? Because fashion is more important than anything else to me, right? And so I'm standing up on the top of the roof and, you know, he jumps down. I think he like sprained his ankle or something. And he's like limping away and he's like, come on, jump. It's okay. As I'm watching him like drag his bum leg now. And I'm thinking there's absolutely no possible way that I'm ever going to jump off of this thing. And so finally, like, you know, time goes on. Now you have to remember, I wasn't here alone. I'm here with my friend's family and a whole bunch of other people who are watching the soccer game. So there's this 12-year-old punk kid who's literally stuck on the top of the thing. You know, I'm thinking, this is it, I'm done. I'm like writing on my last will and testament because I'm thinking, I'm gonna die up here, okay? Now, the reality was I was up there for a long time and my, my, my friend's mom had to drive to her house strap a ladder to the top of her car so that I could climb down the ladder, okay? Now, now here's the deal. This is actually true. Embarrassing, but true. That's why sometimes nobody knows these stories because I feel like this is horribly embarrassing for me. So thank God I made it down and I'm here to stand here and preach today. But, but as I was thinking about this, this moment that I had to take courage, I realized that maybe you've never been on top of a roof before. Maybe you've never had a rooftop experience where you have to jump off and risk your life. But, but I think that each of us in our own way have experienced our rooftop moments, right? Maybe it's, you know, as we're talking about these new things, you are experiencing the fear in trusting the Lord. Maybe it's the fact that you're, you're having to choose to stop worrying about a situation or you're having to choose, make the difficult uh, decision to come out of a toxic relationship or a toxic job or, you know, maybe it's something physical in your body that you're afraid of. Maybe it's your finances that you're getting ready to come to the Christmas season. But what I've realized is that every single one of us finds this moment in our lives where we're forced to be courageous or to shrink back. Now, whatever it is, I've realized that the reason these moments, that the enemy uses these moments so favorably against us is that it's an amazing opportunity for fear to keep us stuck in the situation that we're in. I mean, I experience this as somebody who does Rhema on a regular basis. I get to see an experience in my own life and I get to walk through moments in other people's lives where I get to see moments in their life where fear fear in a situation, fear of a person, fear of something happening, has held somebody prisoner in a moment because they didn't understand how to respond courageously in order to break free of that moment. But sometimes what can happen is because our mind and our emotions are designed to protect us, what we do is we live based off of our emotions and we end up living stuck captive in this moment. We've all had rooftop experiences. 
And so this is what I call, you know, as I began to think about this idea, I realized, you know, how do we discover, how do we see these things in our life? How do I find these moments? And it was so simple to me, I realized they're all the things where we respond, I can't. You know, this word, I can't, is such a prevalent thing in our culture. You know, it's almost like we say it so freely instead of realizing that what we're doing is is we're taking the fullness of the expression of God, everything that Jesus has spoken to us, the promise of everything that we are, and we're saying, I just can't. What's in me isn't enough in order to break free from this moment. And so the beautiful thing about this, can I tell you, is that we're not alone. You might say to me, yes, absolutely, I've experienced a few of these rooftop moments. Yes, I I was there and I had a bad relationship and now I have to open my heart up to my husband or wife again. Yes, I was there, I got a bad doctor's report. But I tell you something, we're not alone in this, thank God. The scripture is absolutely full of people who have experienced these rooftop moments. I mean, I, I, would, I would almost say that every single person who did something or anything great in the scriptures at all had this, this defining moment where they had to choose, am I going to stay on the roof or am I going to just risk it and jump off? You know, I mean, we could sit here and talk about Moses, right? When God meets him, you know, up on a, on a mountain somewhere, this, you know, poinsettia catches on fire and all of a sudden a voice from it comes and says, you're going to be the deliverer. I want you to go against the strongest nation, one man against an entire nation. How many of you would say that's a rooftop experience? We could take a look at Joshua, right? I mean, this stone cutter who's now standing in front of this giant wall of Jericho and God is saying to him, listen, put down your knives and your swords, you know, those bombs that you got, you know, just get rid of them. This is what you're going to do. I want you to run around, dance, and blow a trumpet. How many of you would say that's a rooftop experience? Or we could talk about David, right, as he comes out of Saul's tent and Saul is telling him that there's no way that somebody like you can defeat Goliath. That's a rooftop. What about Gideon as he's standing behind the wine press watching year after year how these people have stolen everything that's good about their lives. We've all experienced moments where we've had to choose, am I going to stay where I am or am I going to be courageous and choose to fight? One of the things that I'm so thankful for is that God doesn't leave us here. Man, I love that about God, that He doesn't just, you know, we don't find ourselves on these rooftop experiences and God just, you know, says, well, you know, hopefully you make it. But no, God was busy giving us the antidote. And and the antidote we find in Deuteronomy 31, verse 6, and this is from the message. The scripture says this, be strong and take courage. Don't be intimidated. Don't give them a second thought because God, your God, is striding ahead of you. He's right there with you. He won't let you down and he won't leave you. You see, I love this scripture because I realize that courage isn't something that we're born with. You know, sometimes we could think that, right? You could watch these people on like Red Bull TV and think like, you know, there's some people who are just like the daredevils of life. And then there's other people over here who wear skinny jeans and we're just not the daredevils, okay? Nothing against skinny jean people. But I think that sometimes what can happen to us is we have to realize that we're not born being courageous. Courage is something that we have to choose on a regular basis. 
You see, I, I, I love the fact that it says this. It says the word, take courage. It doesn't just say, hopefully you have the courage in order to overcome the situation, because if you don't, that, you know, sorry. But it makes the statement, it says, take courage. You know, I liken it to an example, right? Is if I walk up to my dad right now and I say, dad, take my Bible. There's no Bible here. You see, God would never tell us to take something that when we reach out to take it, that it's not there. But you see, what God is saying to us is he's saying, here, take the courage. You see, courage isn't in us, but it's always available to us. You see, you don't have to be born with it. You don't have to want to jump out of an airplane in order to have the courage that you need in order to overcome your situation. But in the moment when you have to decide, am I going to jump or am I going to stay here? That's the moment where I choose right now to take the courage. You see, the best part is that when I take this courage, when I reach out and I step out, that I'm not having courage in myself. You know, it's, I'm not... I don't even necessarily have to have the courage in something that I did before. You know, Gideon, he never fought against the Midianites before. Joshua had never walked around a wall before. Moses had never been the deliverer before. And sometimes we think that in order to have courage, you know, we need to have done some courageous things before. But I'm here to tell you something. The courage in order to overcome your situation is available to you right now if you'll choose to reach out and grab hold of it. You see, I don't have to have the courage in myself. It doesn't have to be in my own history. It doesn't have to be in my own intellect or my own abilities. It doesn't have to be in something that I've done or that I can do. My courage is found in the Lord and in his ability to accomplish the situations that are in my life. You see, he is in my future. He is with me, the scripture says. He has gone before me. You see, I'm not jumping off the roof hoping to die. I'm not stepping out on my own. I'm not walking out into the middle of something hoping that it turns out right. But when I step out, when I take courage, what am I doing? Is I'm connecting myself to heaven. I'm connecting myself to the Father who promised me in this scripture where he said, I will never leave you and I'll be right there with you. You see, we don't have to have courage in ourselves when we have it in the Lord. So you might be sitting here asking yourself, that's great like I did as my dad started teaching this message. But how do I take courage? How do I in the midst of a situation, you know, it sounds good and I read the stories about David. I read the stories about Joshua and I read the stories about Jesus and Mary and these amazing people in scriptures who have, who in their moment of, of despair, in their moment of, of trial, in their moment of tribulation, they were able to take courage. But how do I do it today, right now? What is it that I need to do? And, and, I, and I realized something is that this word take, it's an aggressive word. Like if I'm going to take something from you, I'm not asking you if I can have it. Is that right? Like if I go up to my dad and I'm like, dad, could I have your iPad? Okay, that's not, I'm not taking his iPad, right? Taking his iPad is this. But you see, sometimes that's what we do is we go to God and we're like, oh God, please help me. You know, please come and please intervene. But no, what God is saying is what? No, we stand 
and take the courage that he's already given to us. To take is an aggressive action. It's something that I do on my own when I choose as I'm sitting on a roof. It's got nothing to do with anybody else around me. It's completely on me. Will I aggressively go after this courage in order to fight this battle? You see, I thought about this, is that, you know, you don't accidentally fall out of an airplane at 10,000 feet, right? Nobody accidentally does courageous things. I mean, when you watch those, the videos of people who are, you know, getting ready to jump out of an airplane, sometimes they're like, oh my God, and they're like holding onto the door like, please, no. Okay, you don't accidentally fall out of an airplane, but what? It's an aggressive action where I've looked at everything and I'm choosing that this is what I'm going to do. You see, sometimes what can happen is, is that we're waiting for the courage to come on us in order to attack our situation. I'll tell you something. The courage is not going to come on you. You are going to possess the courage. You're going to choose, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm choosing to be courageous and step out and do that thing. And when I do that, the courage is there, the word says. But it's aggressive on my part. It's realizing these thoughts are bombarding my mind. The situation is happening around me. These things, these people have said these things to me. But wait a minute, I'm not choosing. I'm not choosing to wait in order to feel it. I'm not waiting for the emotion. I'm choosing to create the moment of my victory. The second thing is this, is I must know who I am. I must know who I am. You see, this is what I've discovered in, in, in the last years that I've been walking with the Lord is that this place of knowing who I am is the main area where the enemy desires to attack us. He is always looking to steal from us our identity. He's always trying to lie to us, to tell us that we're less than, we're not good enough, we're not loved enough, we're not special enough, we're not privileged enough. We're not wise enough, we're not strong enough, we're not tall enough, we're not good looking enough. He's constantly looking for areas to degrade the identity of who we know that we are. Why? Because if he keeps us from knowing who we are, he steals from us our ability to stand in our authority. Until I know who I am, until I understand who the person is that God has made me, until I step into this position of identity where I know that God is going to be with me. That when I jump off of this roof, I know that in some way God is going to intervene in this situation. Until I'm convinced of this reality. Until I'm convinced of who I am. It's always going to be a challenge for me to step out and be courageous. Because I tell you something, the enemy does this in our life. Because his main desire is that he would keep us on a journey where we seek comfort and safety. Even, even when I wrote that in my notes, I'm thinking, yeah, like comfort and safety, that's good, right? Like I like comfortable. Like I'm sweating a little bit now and it's uncomfortable, right? Like this isn't where I want to be. And that's what the enemy loves to try to do in our lives. He loves to try to keep us stuck in this place of comfort and safety where when a challenge arises in my life, my first instinct is let me distance myself as far away from this as possible. 
and what he has the ability to do in our lives, you know, so frequently in people that I talk to, is they do that, they, they you know, they, to protect their peace and safety, they, you know, they, they keep pushing away from situations, they're pushing inspiration from situations, and, and finally when they come and they meet with me and they talk to me, it's like I realize you've essentially just backed yourself up into a corner. You've essentially diminished everything that God has desired to do in and through your life. And, and you've made it this little nothing in order to be peace and safe, but you're really not affecting anything at all. That when God comes to you and speaks to you and, and you've, we've allowed sometimes the dreams and the desires to die on the inside of us. But I'm telling you something, when we understand who we are, when we understand that we are not alone, that, that we're not fighting alone, that we're not stepping out alone, but that God is with us, that he created us and that his desire is for us and it's for us to experience the goodness of life. What that does on the inside of me is now like David, I'm not afraid to run into battle, but I'm desperate to. You know, sometimes when I read the story of David, what I realize is that David had so many excuses not to go to battle. You know, first it was his dad saying, you know, don't even go there. And then finally, you know, his dad lets him go there and his, he, meets, he sees his brothers. And his brothers are like, no way. You know, this is, you just need to go home, you little punk. Like, there's nothing. And then he breaks through that limitation, right? And then he goes to Saul's tent. And, you know, Saul tries to put the armor on him and is like, you know, basically just putting him down right? And he breaks out of that limitation. And what, you see, David had so many opportunities in order to quit, but what? He understood who he was. That's why when he ran into battle to meet Goliath, what? He's not shouting about his own goodness. He wasn't shouting about, you know, how strong he was. He wasn't trying to intimidate Goliath by, you know, how fast he could whip his sling around. No, but when he goes into battle, what? He's talking about the goodness of his father because he understood one very simple thing. He wasn't going into battle alone. Can I tell you something this evening? When you're walking into a battle, when you leave this place, when you walk into tomorrow and the different things you're gonna face, just like David and Moses and Gideon and Joshua, we are not fighting these battles on our own. But you see, we have been given the authority to change every single situation. I've been given the authority to, to speak to mountains and that they'll move. I've been given the authority to cast out demons. I've been given the authority to change situations. I've been given the authority to speak to things that I want to change. I've been given the authority to bring heaven to earth. I've been given the authority to bind and loose. Everything that I would need in order to win this battle, I've been given. And when I understand who I am, it's easy for me to stand in that place. But what it requires in these moments, the moment of challenge, the moment of difficulty, how am I going to respond? Because I tell you something, what I've noticed in life is that if I don't choose to respond differently, if I don't choose to do something different, to be something different, to act like something different. I will just continue to replicate and repeat the same results that I've always seen. Is that the truth? I mean, even in scripture, we see this in people's stories that unless they did something to change, 
I mean, that's why I love the story of Gideon when he's behind the wine press. What's the first thing that the angel does? Is he what? He calls him out from where he was. Well, it's like what he's saying. He's saying, come out from your old mindset. Come out from thinking the way where you used to think that you need to hide. The first thing God needs us to do is to choose to change the way that we think. Because I'm here to tell you, you were born to be a recipient of the promise. You know, sometimes we think that we got to fight and scratch and scrape in order to get it. But Jesus paid such a high price in order for me to be a recipient of this promise. That the fight and the challenge, that was his responsibility. I mean, that's why I love the scripture, right? Where, you know, Jesus is hanging there and he, he makes this statement from the cross where he says, it is finished. What was finished? What was finished was everything that the enemy had the ability to steal from you. Any area where the enemy had the ability to get into your life. And so when I'm taking courage, I love this point is that taking courage doesn't mean that I have to fight my own battle. You know, sometimes we can feel like that, that, you know, okay, so you're telling me that I need to take courage. So that means that, you know, I need to figure it out and I need to, you know, get a PhD in battle strategies. But I love what Deuteronomy tells me. It says, you know, take courage, you know, stand up, step out and fight and what will happen. And God, when you step out into your battle, do you know what you're going to find when you get there? God. Sometimes we think that when we step out into our battle, what we're going to experience is, is a worse battle. But I'm here to tell you something, that Deuteronomy 6 gives me this promise, that when I step out into my battle, it says that God was already there. You're not getting this. Let me try and help you. The scripture in Deuteronomy says this. It says, be strong, take courage, don't be intimidated, don't give them a second thought because God, your God, is striding ahead of you. He's striding ahead of you. That means, like you ever seen those old war movies where you know, they, they send the infantry out to kind of, you know, take care of the rabble. And then the, you know, the upperclassmen, the guys on the horses, you know, they kind of just like trot through and, you know, swing their sword. Why? Because, because those other soldiers, they've already gone before him. They were striding ahead so that they could make the battle easy for the people on the horses to run through and just, you know, you ever watch them on those movies? Like, that's what they do. It's kind of embarrassing. You know, they're all just like, ah. Oh. And they're, but what? It look, it's easy. It's simple. Why? Because somebody was striding ahead of them. Heaven is striding ahead of us. When we choose to take courage, what we're doing is we're stepping into a battle that has already been won for us. But it starts by as I stand on the roof and I look down at what seems like an impossible situation, I must choose to take courage. I'm here to tell you something when we do this. When I realize this, I realize there is nothing that I cannot do. You know, I love thinking about this thought. I was born to conquer this earth. Like, I wasn't born to just try to make it through. You know, like a little mouse, just trying to like scurry from spot to spot, you know? I just want to get seen. 
I just don't want to get anything. Let me just try and find enough food to live today. That's not me. The Bible says that I was born to be a king and a priest. That it's my destiny to rule and to reign. But I tell you, when we understand who we are, when we understand our identity, when I understand that I'm not alone and that I'm not fighting alone, I step into what Philippians 4 tells me, that not that I can't do all things, but I can. You see, the curse of can't tries to tell me that there are things in my life that are impossible, but the scripture clearly tells me this. With man, it may be impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Put your hand over your heart. Heavenly Father, we're choosing today to be these people. We're choosing today to step out. We're choosing today, Lord, we're choosing to fight. We're choosing to be courageous. Heavenly Father, I'm thanking you that you have created us to be these people. You have created us to win. You have created us to conquer. Lord, you said that there is nothing that's above your name, but you've been given the name that's above every name. It's above the name of sickness and disease. It's above the name of poverty and lack. It's above the name of shortage. It's above the name of depression and discouragement. Father, there is nothing greater than your name. And we choose this evening, Lord, to be the people you've called us to be in Jesus' name.